I, I did miss it. But um, but anyway, uh, Shante, welcome to Halftime Chat. So I'm based out here in the UK, um, but it's, our, our show is broadcast and, and we get internationally, both Asia, Europe, uh, and even some in North America tune in and stuff. And um, one of the things that's been hard for us outside of the US is we don't get the luxury of seeing our artists perform each week. And so, you know, so we, we rely on people going and sharing videos on, on, on YouTube, but the interviews have helped in a way connect us to our, our artists and, and, and just to get a sense of them and, and their journeys and things. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> you got a chance to link up. Yes, I appreciate this. But we start off by just finding out where, where you're sort of from, born and raised, because, you know, uh, well, I'm I'm born and raised in Chicago. Okay. Um, total Chicago girl, West Side of Chicago. Um, I don't know if you know any about the areas, but I grew up like mostly the West Side and uh, Humboldt Park, which is um, really a multicultural um, Hispanic, pre predominantly Puerto Rican and Hispanic neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I would say like from. Uh, kindergarten to middle school and then middle school just like the straight west side which is predominantly black families and um it was really cool like the Chicago is a really big city with big cultures and then I went to high school on the whole other side of town which is like the north side east side so I think it um it helped to create a, let's just say a well-rounded person yeah yeah I, I remember interviewing donnell jones and she talked about coming from his his neighbor was lamont ruffin chicago and uh, uh -huh. stuff yes growing up what was your sort of hobbies and, and interests um not to sound cliche but music <laughs> but was a big hobby always um but i always my mother my mother my parents really kept us busy so I was into all sorts of things um but but mostly um singing and dancing modern dance and I, we I also I'm also a church kid um okay. so I spent a lot of time in the church and that's pretty much where I got like to you know get my chops singing in the choir and by the time I was 13 I was the minister of music so I was in wow. I was even in charge of my mom's choir by that time. Um, but yeah, growing up and then um, my first real job other than church was we, we used to have summer, summer programs in Chicago, which we should, unfortunately, we don't have anymore. And the whole, your whole summer as teenagers is spent doing a job or whatever. But I was lucky enough to get in this musical program and we put on plays. So like the entire summer was just about like us working and rehearsing. And so I got to act and it was kind of, it was like Broadway for like, for teenagers. So that's, th those were my hobbies, like music, acting, uh, modern dance, all that fun stuff. And at that young age, um, who were the artists or singers that are out that you were looking to and thinking, wow, these are the people I really admire and, and and sort of my my idols and stars you know what was so cool I think when we were growing up we had so many influences like 
um, like music and radio was so vast, mm-hmm. like every wasn't so um, segregated, if you will. Yeah. Like on the radio, we would have on the same station, you could hear Gladys Knight and Elton John mm. and then Chicago house music. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So my influences were vast. Um, vocally though, I would say Anita Baker, Shaka Khan, Prince as a writer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, and I just loved his, I just loved everything about him um, <laughs> because he was just like the full package. And I'm also um, a musician because I, I play the keyboards, the drums a little bit, but <laughs> I'm a keyboardist as well. So um, I listen to everybody. I mean, from even from house music to a little bit of punk rock at the time. Wow. Um, David Bowie and uh, we just we had the Eurythmics just so Annie Lennox there was just so much stuff that influenced me because I'm a, I'm a musician and I'm an artist so like different things pique my interest you know what I mean like different yeah. sound chords and and as an artist I'm into like vocalists like with distinct voices mm. so I think the beauty of when I was coming up an artist in my generation like donnell jones all of us we had so many like resources and influences yeah yeah but then you know you you mentioned people like the rhythmics bowie i'm i'm british you uh, so i i i, I recognize oh. them <laughs> yeah i recognize i recognize them george michael you know he, he crossed oh, the- <laughs> yeah um, but but it might be strange then because as i said i i i, I grew up here in the UK but went to college in the US and um, it, you know the stations I was listening to even if it's um, um, you, you don't you, you, and I guess probably because I moved in the 90s you didn't really get to hear those um, non R&B artists on the radios um, when I got there in the 90s or on video soul and stuff so how so what sparked your interest into being more diverse in your music? Because were your family into it? Because it's it's just oh, yeah. oh my dad was my dad was a jazz musician. Wow. So, um, I mean, he was like a blue collar guy by day, and the jazz, you know, he just played jazz. He also played the guitar and the keyboards. Wow. And our house on the weekends were just just like. He would start like early morning, like around, well, for, I would say 10 o'clock is early for a Saturday. <laughs> Just hear like jazz and blues from like 10 o'clock. He would probably go to five o'clock or whatever in the evening, you know, and then we'd have church on Sundays. But when I was like, when I was like a, a kid before a teenager, at the time, we had a lot of different, we had a lot of different music on the radio. Mm. Like we would hear any Lennox, Sweet we would hear all that stuff on the radio. Mm. Um, actually, by the time the 90s hit, that's when it started being like, okay, this is R&B. Uh. This is, you know what I mean? But mm. we talk, people, we talk about that all the time. It's like, we would hear like Benny and the Jets on the radio. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. You know, um, but also I will say also, my parents had like everything. And I have two older brothers, so they're like 
six and seven years older than me. So my, my, my oldest brother was a totally rock. He listened to Led Zeppelin. Wow. He listened to, you name it, he listened to rock. And then my brother in the middle, he kind of listened to everything. So we had, um, I would say, I would blame that on my oldest brother, like the Eurythmics and um, the, the kind of punk stuff. Wow. You know? But it, it was just like, so I, I had it at home. Oh, my middle brother, he was into like, like uh, Bootsy Collins and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> nice little buttons. <laughs> so it's yeah. like all really like, became a part of my sub, uh, subconscious though, you know? Yeah. I mean, which, which is good. As I said, we, we, we um, being in the UK, we, it tops the post. We, we did get a heavily influenced with, you know, pop then rock. Cause you, it, it was pretty much the BBC. So they, there wasn't an R&B station. So you pretty much had to listen to everything and yeah, you get I, used to diverse music and, and being able to appreciate. Yeah. Oh, I, got, I, I had the blessing of being on the top of the pops once. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we, I think we'll go. We'll, we'll probably get there. But yeah. so, did when did the sort of you know being able to? And I did know that I didn't know that you 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 were into you actually played and stuff. But did you? Mm -hmm. Was this more so okay hobby at first and enjoying it? When did it become something that you know actually that I could actually make a career into this? You know, the honestly. It was never really a high. I, I really, um, I always knew. Okay, so the story goes, I was three years old, right? Um, And our church, at my church, they had what's called the Sunshine Choir, which is like the little kids. I think three to probably like seven or eight, and then you move up to the older kids. Um, The choir director at the time, who was also, her name was Lucille, um she she had she was a big influence on me um she selected me to lead a song and I wasn't afraid but I was like okay I like to sing blah 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 <laughs> I was three and I remember the song was spirit of the living God or something like that and I I you know I'm in front of this big audience and I got this everybody loved it like this I probably because I was a cute little kid though. <laughs> but I kind of got the bug from there I'm like I think this is I think this is what I want to do you know what I mean so ever since then I kept doing it and kept doing it and took an interest and I um she actually she told me um she said you have a gift you know um and uh, She's just like, I'm going to work with you and so on and so forth. And the way she explained it to me, it really resonated. Mm. And like, I kind of, I, I, I accepted it. And it's just, it's really just a part of me. So it's like everything after that growing up, even college was like, this is, this because at the time my parents were all about, you got to go to college, blah, okay. blah, blah. So my major in college was a backup. This is a backup career. This is for music <laughs> doesn't work. Everything was a backup to that. What did so you I, study? Oh, <laughs> psychology. Okay. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a psychotherapist. So. Yeah. yeah, that didn't last long. <laughs> but how come you didn't do music and arts or something in college? Because it's like, 
by the time I got to college, I was so, first of all, the school that I chose wasn't really a musical school. Actually, they were known for their psych program. (laughs) It was just, when I think it was the silliest reason (laughs) I major in psych because I was, do you, you ever heard of Dear Abby? That was a college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I was like Dear Abby to all my friends in high school. Uh, Okay. So good at this. You know what? I'm just going to major in psych. You know, and you know, that'll be my fallback career because I know I'm gonna sing. So, but by the time I went to college, I was already so like, I was really on the scene. You know, I was singing, I was directing, I was making money, teaching buyers and so forth. So it was like, and that's not, uh, when I think of, I was like, well, there's really nothing they could teach me at this point, which was, which is, which is kind of contradictory to how I am because I'm such an open vessel. I, I always feel like I can, but I, I'm a kid at the time. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll knock this out because I'm only <laughs> going because my parents only wanted me to go. I'll knock it out. And then I could always tell my mom, okay, I have this. You know, when they're complaining about whatever, whatever with music. Yeah. I always throw that back at them when say I did this. So. Okay. So, so, I mean, what happened? I mean, did you, so did you, you finish college and, and then start looking, because were you thinking of getting, becoming a recording artist or were you just thinking about Broadway or, or, or what were you thinking when you. I, honestly, I wanted to make records. Okay. I was always, I always wanted to be a recording artist and tour. So, but to answer your question, did I finish? I didn't finish because um, after a few, after a few years, what, like two and a half, one summer I came home and during this summer, I started working, a friend of mine who graduated from, um, he graduated from high school, we were old friends, he called me and said, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm working with this production studio and they need some songwriters, so if you want to come out, could you come out and just check it out? You may like it. And I did. And I started writing songs and I was having so much fun. And the so I was only supposed to just be doing that like part-time, you know? Yeah. I up writing songs, started writing songs for other artists. And in that summer, I placed a few songs and made money. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, it's like, this is, things are kind of like taken off for me. And this is like, this is like another type of, it was like college, but outside of college. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And so I told, I talked to my mom. I'm like, I just wanted to let me take some time off and pursue this because this is really what I want to do. So I want to pursue this because, uh, to be honest, I was bored to tears, <laughs> you know, and it was like, that wasn't my passion. Yeah. So I took that summer off and I never went back. <laughs> and within the first two years or so, I had already played so many songs. And the last song that I really placed was the We Got a Love Thing with Cece Benison. 
after being there so so long and wow i was i was all in i was all in so no so that that project and all the songs that i placed i had placed lots of songs uh didn't even know just a lot of different songs you know oh uh, i was writing house music at the oh, time mainly house okay mainly house yeah mainly house mainly house i was doing some r&b the r&b stuff was really because after after being there a few years i was like okay they were like let's start working on your album and so i actually the we got a love thing song was supposed to be for my debut album mm. so they talked me into giving this song up and giving it to cc because i was not here for it at the time <laughs> it was like what no but i didn't understand how important songwriting was so yeah. i placed it on her and it was her second single after finally and it did very well so that was a that was an excellent lesson yeah. but but yeah that's how it all now, unlike most um, recording artists, they they get signed and then they get they they get in they get all the the contracts thrown in at them. For yourself, though, how valuable was it not being a recording artist, learn uh, but joining in and and learning it from the songwriting points early on? Very good question. The songwriting part. I'm so grateful that I learned it that way because had, had I done it the opposite way, I, I just, I can't even fathom how. <laughs> oh. would be, I mean, because to me, like I always try when I talk to, when I talk to young artists, I always encourage them to write because that is, that is like, a strong that's a stronger foundation for you like if you have that you no one could take that away from you mm -hmm. it's like if you have that ability you can always create whether it's for you or for anyone else and you could always eat you know what i mean because you know how this business is so inconsistent mm -hmm. you know and it's like that was the most valuable a lesson that I learned because I, I I had been writing for years, but I never took it seriously. I was like, yeah, you know what I mean. But it wasn't until I put it to music, till I when I went to with my friend, just that was my first time seeing how writing the song, when I'm writing these poems or whatever, mm. put it, it all clicked for me. Yeah, and I'm so happy that it happened that way. Um. Because that's really what got my deal. Because everything I did, and then coming from church, being a being a um, minister of music, I did all my backgrounds, mm. everything. So I put a signature on everything I did. So mm. every every song I wrote, I demoed, mm. and then I was with a company. Every songs, most of the songs that other people wrote, they wanted me to demo. So, you know, the record companies, so RC at the time was like, okay, who is this girl <laughs> on all of these demos? You know what I mean? And they were like, well, that's Shantae. That's the one who did CC, blah, blah, blah. And they were, and so they were like, well, let's, let's talk to her. Let, what, what's, what's going on? Let's sign her. So that's how I, that's how I got my deal. Yeah. Because of my writing. Now, did, how much of the, 
in the, of the business side of the, did you know about the publishing ownership and giving it away and stuff in those early days? Not, not <laughs> in. Oh, so that's that's the thing. Like, okay, I had the blessing of being a writer and coming in that way. However, <laughs> they don't teach you. <laughs> all the fine print they don't teach you about um percentages as far as the publishing now mm. they learned about writing percentage because mostly i was writing everything so it was either it was mostly 50 percent me as a writer and and um as for the writing and the melody and all that the whole basis of the song but the tracks if i'm doing something where someone else created the track. That's easy, it's 50-50, it's just me, you know what I mean? However, the publishing, they don't teach you that. And like so many other artists, I fell into that trap. Wow. And years later, I, I was fortunate enough to be successful enough to pay myself out of, with mm -hmm. the support of, of a major label out of a bad publishing deal to whereas now I have most of the, my old publishing that I just so eagerly gave away, signed away. Wow. So. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've probably spoken to almost 70 recording artists and um, I think Donnell Jones was the only, and, and, and who else? I think uh, um, KJ from Naughty by Nature, just because they, they signed with people who like Eddie F, taught them the business and said this is what you need to learn but most everyone else the same oh, yeah. thing oh yeah because you're so eager and we're artists and so it's like it's like it's hard to just turn away and you're a kid you're like oh my god coming on this and i was like well why don't you just sing on this and you know what i mean and you're just eager and you're a little pup and it's like and you know i'm signed i signed up i signed a publishing deal <laughs> So, yeah yeah oh goodness but i mean it, so when um but and how was it hard then you mentioned when when um giving a track to cc did you did you know it was like oh this is a good this is a hit um and cc probably wasn't as established by the time you gave it a track so it wasn't as if you were giving it to whitney houston at the time or was she as established when they asked to give her the track you know what it was um she wasn't she wasn't Whitney, but finally had just hit. Okay, so that has come up but was, but on that album. Because you know, finally was a single first. Okay. So after that single took off, they were like rushing, we gotta get this oh, album. Okay, okay. So yeah, so yeah, so with me, so at, by that time, I had been writing for so long and I was eager to, get, I had a deal by then. So I'm like, I want to do, this is for my album, you know, but, and they had to talk me into it. And now I'm like, boy, that is, that's youth right there. Because if <laughs> I, if I would, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have had to ask me twice. She's a hit, she's a hit song. Finally, <laughs> today is legendary. Yeah, it is, yeah. So I was like, Who's gonna think twice about, you know what I mean? They know her now. They don't know you. They didn't know Shantae yet. Girl, what are you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, 
at the time at first, but, but once I, it, it didn't take too long. Cause I mean, by the time uh, she did, we got a love thing. Finally was a bona fide hit. So everybody was waiting for her next single, okay. which was, we got a love thing. So. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> wow. And, uh, did you guys get to meet when during that time? Oh yeah, Cece and I are cool. We we got to meet because um she came to Chicago to record it. Okay. So local production on it too. So when you hear when you hear we got a love thing, and when you hear keep on walking, you can hear me just throughout the whole thing because uh -huh. I did sounds for her and the uh Donnell Donnell um uh this oh god, what is Donnell? Uh Donnell Rush, he and I did the backgrounds together. Okay. So did the vocal production. So when you hear, you can just go all that, you can hear me on it. So, wow. but she and I became very cool because um, we were working with Steve Hurley at the time. And so she started coming to Chicago a lot to this day. Yeah. She comes to Chicago a lot and we've worked together a lot. <laughs> did you ever make, uh, release your own demo version of? Of, of of the song nah nah there was no need but i said that i may start i may perform it live i may start doing that okay so you did you never really recorded your own version and released it as well i, I recorded a version for the demo just for mm -hmm. her you know what i mean but i didn't professionally record it it was strictly just like when you know the process of writing the song for an artist because at the time I was just, I demo everything. So yeah. it was like, they just sent her that cassette at the yeah, time. Yeah, cassette, yeah. Because yeah. the baby face yeah. is doing it all the time now. He's going, if you see him on tour, he's singing um, uh, um, Every Little Step and he's singing all I the That's so cool. That's what's like, I think I may perform some of these songs that I've placed. Yeah, he's doing it all the time. And so yeah. he's, and he even yeah. re-released re his own version of... Um, Rock steady that he did for the whispers. So this was, really? uh, yeah, he yeah he re he released the, the, the demo version of it because he you know it's his it's, it's you know his song and he's he's yeah. releasing it and stuff. So that's why I, I assumed you Keith Sweat co-wrote Let's Chill, and now and he and now he goes around singing it on tour because it's like well you know I co-wrote yeah. it and stuff. So yeah, I think that's cool. <laughs> I, I was like I may perform that. Um, I may perform it, you know, sometimes. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But then, so, um, RCA come around. Um, what kind of label was RCA when you joined? Because um, most of us would know RCA for SWV. Um, but I'm, we I were, do, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Lily, Lily oh, did I say that. Oh, Chante, all my label mates, say hi to her. Yeah. Yeah, Lily, they were cool. Lily, we were label mates and we were, we were both on the scene at the time. It was like they hit huge right <laughs> out there. So it's like um, I was there for all of the like the uh, summer festivals and um, the um, what do you call it? Uh, summer the jams. The seminars that we had to do for the labels and oh, all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those Jack the Rappers. Uh, all those things that so it would be. SWV and I like from the we were the two two of the main artists. Well, especially after 
after I will survive it. Because um, before that, I had um, Bet You'll Never Find, and that was doing well. So they were like, okay, we're going to start featuring you. So that's that's how um, SW, we, we saw each other all the time in the halls of uh, BMG and RCA. Right? <laughs> Most of us know BMG for getting our free CDs, 10 for a penny with Columbia exactly. House. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. So... Yeah, very interesting because when you first came out, you 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 um you chose to go down house house the house route and uh, especially in the in the nine in ninety three ninety four which was you know we were very much predominantly very much R and B. What was the direction with R RCA? Were they like yeah yeah we don't mind we want to emulate what CC was doing uh, and hit a different market or did they didn't think how to market you and promote you that's the thing so being from chicago <clears throat> we're just like a house you know i mean we're like house capital mm. so company id that i was with at the time was steve hurley maurice joshua they were and jamie principal they they were all basically it was a pretty much a house company mm. they were just so connected and so known and connected with so such majors. When I came, I was one of the first artists to start doing R&B out of there because I was like, okay, I mean, yeah, I can write this stuff, but you all do know I'm, a, I'm an R&B artist, right? Like if I'm going to sing, I could do this. And I love doing it because I'm, listen, I'm from Chicago, a house music it's like if you are a teenager in chicago and a club kid which i was a club kid <laughs> it's all about house music it's all about house music so it's like I, are you familiar with dc and gogo -Go? yeah yeah e e eu and that's um doing the button right. yeah that's signature to to dc house yeah. music is signature to chicago mm. so it's that was a no-brainer. It was like, it was so, you know, it was so ingrained. It was like, okay, this is what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I'm like, okay, so when are we, when are we going to do, when are we, when, when am I going to do our R&B? And a lot of the bright, a lot of the producers at the time were dying to do stuff like that. You know what I mean? But it was like, it was also a business. So a lot of, a lot of the house a lot of the house music coming from Chicago was getting placed. And so they, there was a big demand, but it was like, nobody was really doing it until I was like, okay, so I'm ready to do an R&B record. So when, when the CC thing happened and RCA was like, let, we want to sign Shantae. They, thank God, got a chance to say, okay, so what's she into? So, but I had to do, if you, if you listen to my first album, you'll hear that there's a lot of up-tempo stuff on there. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was like, that was the perfect, coming from ID Records and the Hurley and all that, that was the perfect way to blend, like, that was like tipping my, putting your toe in the water and kind of blend the two. So it's like, you'll see like the up, the up-tempos and then you'll hear like, um, something new, the ballads and stuff. That was all me. Yeah. I'm gotta do some ballads and you know, 
Yeah, I mean, and and I, and I think the the because I remember the um, you know looking at listening to the to the to the house of ballads, and then you had a I, I can't remember the, the name. Is it Do Me the the R and B sort of? It just seemed like it seemed strange because you had the house, and then you had the like proper nineties R and B sort of slow jam. And I was like, wow, this. I don't know how did the A and R just think, okay, this is going to work. How we're going to sell you? How we're going to market you? Or? You know, like at the time though, it's like every R&B record that was released had to have remixes. They all had house remixes on them for like different markets. So, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So at the time that was like, and I don't even know if they do that now, but mm -hmm. I house remixes. I And then the later we got into the nineties, hip hop remixes, uh, yeah. song. Cause like for example, um, which one? Don't let it go to your head. I remember that. That's one of the songs we had. So many. Re we had about five house remixes, <laughs> R and B mix. I mean, we had a hip hop mix. We had a go go mix for like every market. <laughs> no, but the um, cause I know Steve Hurley from uh, because be, you know when we used to buy the maxi singles, we'd see his name. Um, listed there, even when I was big into Michael Jackson, so he would sometimes may do a, re a, a house version with Steve Morales, with Mike Morales. So we 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 we're familiar with them, but um, but I just did wonder how they how they were going to sell um, the house R and B type of stuff to to the radio if they're trying to, especially if they're trying to sell the album. Uh, and mm -hmm. do you think they RCA managed to get the balance right on your first album? Um, you know, I would say yes, because by the time Better Never Fine came out, when we did, when we put like the, the, the original is kind of R&B poppy-ish, right? Yeah. But it was the remix to that song, the Silky Steve's mix, the Silky Soul mix. Mm. It, that was like the first, that was the first hit that I had with mm. that that veteran that song was like that was a that was the first song that kind of was like okay we have something here and it was like the perfect blend i got to have like r&b tones with a house with a house tempo mm. and it just clicked it just clicked yeah. So in that aspect, it worked because it people kind of knew that okay, she does this, but oh, but she sounds like that, and mm. so I it kind of got me in both doors. Yeah, because I did like give it to you because it did it did feel more what I was used to, uh, not that used to. I guess I got sort of conditioned into just mainly R and B, and and so that's and so that was the single after that, which was. Total army. Total army. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, how did you? So, when you when the album comes out, uh, uh, how do your parents and family react to the fact that oh, actually, you're no longer in college, but you're now a recording artist with a sing with an album and touring the country? My parents were very supportive, especially especially my dad. <laughs> right. I mean, they were both, but like 
my dad really got me more musically because he's an artist. He's an artist, yeah. So, yeah, so he understood the process even actually more than I did before I got, you know. So they were supportive. They were really supportive. And, you know, anything I needed, they were there. You know, there was there was no no friction. They were supportive. It was like, okay, it th this is what you're doing. And then my mom, I mean, it was very logical. It was like, okay, so you go to college to learn a, a craft or trade. Yeah. Then you go out into the world and you practice that. Well, actually, this is I'm doing what I love. Mm -hmm. It's just like the, the the best gift you could have is to get paid to do something that you love. Yeah. And I was doing so it was like there was no there was no flack after that so so when you when you signed your recording contract had you learned a little bit more about from the publishing side so that you 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 weren't surprised by that time or were they both come at you at a, at a, at a place where you weren't aware of the differences especially being a recording artist as opposed to the the writing side but as practically if, if we're talking in terms of by the time I signed my deal the epiphany hadn't come yet okay sorry about that <laughs> it hadn't come yet as far as you're getting ripped off <laughs> your publishing company that epiphany hadn't come yet because I was still you know, you're so um, enthralled by something major. Like, that's every young artist's dream. So I'm like, I'm living the dream. <laughs> bonus, you know, you get this advance and get the, you buy the car you want, you live where, you, you know what I mean? So you're so caught up in all that. I'm traveling the world and you're not, the epiphany hadn't come <laughs> yet. <laughs> That didn't happen till the, uh, later, you know, yeah. two hours. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I, I, the good thing, as I said, you know, things have changed since since then. But um, the um, what was the, your parents' proudest moment? I, some, some, Lily says when she performed at the Apollo, her mom was was able to see her there. Um, I think Le, uh, Levi from Blackstreet says when his parents saw him on Soul Train, they said, okay, we believe you're an artist now. So for you, what was this, the moment that your parents, the family said, okay, you, our daughter's arrived? Say that. Um, okay. There were two. One was, one was Soul Train. Okay. One was Soul Train, performing on Soul Train. I've done it three times, but the first time was like, I mean, that is huge. That's like, <laughs> yeah. Like we all, everybody, like every every black person watched so sure <laughs> more than black, but like that is like iconic. Yeah. I, you know, some Saturdays we watch it as a family when I was really <laughs> so like that was everything. The first that was everything. And then there was um, you know, like it's not popular, but the evening news, um, my parents watched the evening news religiously. Okay. <laughs> and they had come to my house 
and by this time, of course, I was living up, up, up by myself, but they did a story on me. And my, they knew about it, of course, because I was very close. But to have that aired on the evening, <laughs> that may have been bigger than Soul Train. <laughs> okay. Whole thing. And, um, you know, they, they did a story in my place and I was playing the keyboard and talking about my deal and all that. Wow. And it was on, so the whole city saw that. So <laughs> that was like, that was everything. That <laughs> And soul train. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> but touring, touring for your first album, did you see people that's like, wow, I've seen you on TV, now I'm on the same stage with you? Who 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 gave you those moments of, well, I can't believe I'm, I'm in front of you or singing with you? Um, You know, I would say it was more so like my second album. Because the first album was like laying the groundwork for all that. Yeah, and you know all the you, I would just say it went to another level um, from the Betch Never Find to it's like when I Will Survive when, when that hit it was a whole nother ball game after that it was like that is that's the song that really took me around the world like everywhere Wow, that's when you know I'm doing shows with the Brian McKnight's and mm. you just name it. Every Anybody that was out at the time, I was doing shows with them, you know? You so know, I didn't realize that that was a remake when I first heard it. Really? Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. Cause, oh, wow. um, it, 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 it was, um, it, cause it, it didn't sound anything like the original. Cause we all know I survive as, as a, as a house and sort of up, so that was completely, it wasn't even like a remix. It was a, like a completely different song. Um, so I had no idea it was, it was actually the same song. Whose idea was it to produce it in, in that tone and, and, and the whole vibe of it? It was mine and Steve Early. We, we sat down and, cause he produced it. Mm. And it was commissioned for um, a movie. The, the yeah, it was commissioned for a movie, um, the Breakfast Club. Are you kidding? No Breakfast Club. Yeah, with the not the not the not no no I'm sorry, First Wives Club. Oh, First Wives Club. First okay. Wives. And they wanted me to do, just they wanted me to do a remake, and it was like that was my first time really doing a remake, and I don't know what it was, but I was like, okay. Glory Gaynor is iconic. Her version is iconic to this day. It's like, we all know that. It was like, what purpose is that going to serve to do? I was like, just get Glory Gaynor. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. To give that to her. So, but they wanted me to do it. So, I, and I was honored to do it. So I was like, let's do something. Hurley and I, he was like, let's do something different. And he was like, yeah, let's flip it. I was like, okay. We, we were putting our, he was like, let's flip it. I was like, yeah, let's flip it. And so he was like, man, what if we slow it down? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, I don't know. And so I was like, okay, let me listen and get every lyric. Cause okay, we've all heard that song and mm -hmm. all we, oh, you know what I mean? And this party, 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 but God, when I, 
slow that song down and listen to those lyrics mm. it was like Steve this is an R&B this song could be cold as we say in Chicago <laughs> he was like okay he was like we're going that's what we're going to do and so after that he he made he did the track and I just phrased I just changed the phrasing because once I heard what those lyrics were saying I'm like okay not just women not just not just women but men everybody can relate to this song I may have, I think I was going through a breakup at the time anyway <laughs> so it was like that it just hit so different and it was like I just felt it and it was like we all had he and I we both had the goosebumps mm-hmm. in the studio when we did that record we knew we had something it went so beyond that soundtrack <laughs> yeah. it went on so that and the label heard it was like oh my god and I remember at the time when we finished it um Steve was so excited about uh what we had done he took it to the radio station uh WGCI which is the top station in Chicago at the time in the whole region in the Midwest and Elroy Smith was the program director he played it and he wasn't even supposed to play it and the phones lit up the phones lit up and at first at first it was just mad drama because the label found out and blah 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 but they were like what do you say this is a hit and so that song was playing in chicago (laughs) and heavy rotation for a year before it actually came out (laughs) (laughs) up around that song yeah as as i said i was in milwaukee until until 90 yeah uh, so it was we we, it was was a big song in the midwest and Mm -hmm. um i as i said i didn't know it was a remake because um, the um, yeah, because if as I said, we're so used to that song being such upbeat and party, but this was sort of a slow. I mean, the video was different, but it was just your the, your voice. The um, was that the keyboards da, da, da. on the intro? Yeah, the part I was playing the keyboards on that part. Are you okay? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and um, did Gloria Gaynor get? Did she ever get in touch to say? No, but um, I was in LA uh, at the BMG headquarters. They were giving me a party because when the song went gold first, they gave me an event there, and the the writer, uh, parent David Perrin, because one of the guys had passed at the time. Mm. He and he had like. Uh, what you know have you seen those oversized roses he had two dozen of roses and he presented them to me wow um because i mean first of all that song had already made him a, a lot of money but he, <laughs> like, from gloria Gaynor, he he was rich he's multi-rich from that that alone but he was like what is this you know this arm what is this blip what what is going on you know what i mean and he was like i had to meet you I had to meet you and um to kind of go back to the lesson it was around that time <laughs> writing the publishing epiphany happened for me. 
Oh, goodness. Because he, you know, because what that did for him, I started learning, oh, my God. Imagine if I had written this song. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, it's like, as an artist, it's not about that. The money, it's not about the money for you starting out. Yeah. But when it's, it becomes your life's blood, then you have to, it has to be also. You know what I mean? So it was around that time when I... I started learning um, <laughs> about where my money was going, <laughs> my publishing wise, and what, and what I had given up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. But what was your experience? Because why is he? Why was he fortunate to be able to have signed a, a, a better deal where than you or most black and R&B artists who write songs? Why do you think he was able to be making millions from that one song when we've had other R&B artists writing songs that are still big, but they, they're, they're still having to tour? Well, I think there's a lot of factors for that. He, first of all, he's male. <laughs> he's white. <laughs> and at that time, he was like, I want to say maybe in his 60s or 70s then. When he wrote it. Yeah, so whatever he had to deal with to get to the point where he fully uh, okay. owned the rights, he owned the rights by that time. You uh -huh. know what I'm saying? So he was seasoned enough in his career as a writer yeah. to be able to be, he would, and, the, and his partner, I believe, I'm not sure, don't quote me about it. I think they were a couple, a gay couple. Okay. So he was the sole proprietor. Okay. So whatever, whatever he had to go through to get to that point, mm. it happened. So yeah, but you know? you but here in the UK, we see people like Adele write songs, becomes multimillionaires, and uh, also, yeah. yeah, and so that uh, you know we we've got a, a lot of um, a lot of pop rock. Um, Co-play. I mean, they, you two all become multimedia, and you, and and you're thinking, well, that were they not given the same contracts, or were they explained? Okay, this is what really is happening, but we and and stuff. I don't know why. Oh, with... That's a whole other show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there are a lot of factors that go into that. Now, um, R&B and pop artists like the pop artists got the best of everything. So if you are, and then if you're a white artist, you're automatically put in a playing field where you have, you're, you're exposed to the masses. Everything that's come to you, that's gonna come to you if you succeed is gonna be massive. So they're the first in line. And it's, it's terrible that it's that way. Mm. But R&B artists, we have to fight for something to cross over to be considered pop. So even mm -hmm. if I made the poppiest record, right, then, and that's not, it's, it's still the same, unfortunately. But if I made like, if I set out and said, I'm gonna write a pop record, because I have actually written pop records for other artists mm -hmm. and other people. If I recorded that same record, it would be put in a whole different category. Wow. You know, so let's just say 
you know, the game was just set up for them to win mm-hmm. more so was for black artists. Yeah. And that that hasn't changed as much. The only thing that has changed though is for, for hip hop artists. Yeah, yeah. So they did. Yeah. Now they have um they're in positions where they can, you know, be the sole proprietor proprietor and the owner and so forth. Um it is easier though for us to now as independent artists to own our masters. And we know all this now. <laughs> Excuse me. It's better now, but when we were coming up, yeah. that that was a big secret. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um so when the, so, but so you never met up with Gloria Gaynor during I never no, I never I've wow. never ever met her. Um I think I was in New York once and someone mentioned, said something about her really liking the song. You know, it was all love. Yeah. But I've never got a chance to meet. I, I'm, I, hopefully that'll happen one day. Yeah. Did, when you record, did you ever think, could, could, could you have written a song to the beat and production? Your own version, your own lyrics because what Steve produced, what you guys came up with, as I said, oh. I didn't realize it was a remake. So I was wondering, could you have the same production, but write your own words and your own song? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it wasn't meant for that. That wasn't meant to be. But definitely, I could have, we could have done that. But it, I, it probably wouldn't have been as successful. Why do you think? Is it because you said, as you were listening it to the lyric? Been, don't get me wrong, it would have been dope. Because I think... <laughs> I'm that confident in my writing skills, but it was, it was just like the sweetest recipe. Like those lyrics, everybody knew that song. And it's like, if you look, it's, it's like if a designer takes a, a dress and totally redesigns it for someone else and it's fabulous, but everybody knew that signature dress and it looks different on somebody else, but it looks great. It As opposed to just creating something for scra- from scratch. I don't know. It's like, I think it was the familiarity. And a lot of people had a, an emotional connection to the song anyway. And experience with that song. Yeah. So I think that, that in and of itself gave it a leg up. Yeah, I, do, I don't know if it was of the familiarity as much as it was a very haunting it, it reminded me of say when mary did the um not gonna cry it had that sense of you feeling we could tell that you were you 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 knew the words and you were you were making sure that we understood what was being said so it felt like a story it had that you know it it took t- captured an, a, a moment so i i do as i said I only recently realized it was a remake because it's so far-fetched it's not like Whitney Houston's I Would Always Love You because most of us didn't really hear the Dolly Parton version. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so we wouldn't have, so we didn't appreciate the song because we heard Dolly's. We just like, wow, look at Whitney has done. And and then we're like, oh, it doesn't even, the, the original version doesn't even, it pales in comparison to what Whitney did. So I think it's how you guys delivered it and and just the, the, the vibe was something that, w- w- it wasn't, 
there wasn't anything out like that in, on in our on our radios and our stuff for and and how you sang as well you know very measured and controlled haunting uh, and capturing so i think that that was the magic of, of, of the song i suppose the familiarity because I, I don't maybe maybe people who knew it uh, especially in the house market houses house stuff uh, yeah but it, as i said it was an amazing so that opened different doors to where uh, rca sort of flying you around first class now <laughs> but you know honestly i will i will say though like you i knew i heard the song but i didn't really know the song okay you know, me that was like something i saw in movies thinking you know <laughs> young and the, that that never be something that I would request like oh I want to hear that yeah the disco I was yeah. like, like consider disco you know what I mean so yeah. I I mean I had to slow it down to get the lyrics because I didn't really know what she was saying but we look <laughs> I was you know you knew that but I really what so like people definitely my demographic and people you know your early 20s and teens, we didn't know that song like that no, you know yeah. parents knew that really knew okay. the lyrics but i knew because who didn't who hasn't I, mostly i would say I, I heard that song in movies yeah yeah yeah, yeah. on elevators you know yeah. what i mean or if i'm if i'm in a casino or something they're playing that song <laughs> I didn't know that song like that. Like I had no idea, you know, that she was talking about that. So to me, it was still kind of like, oh wow, this this is so cool. You know what I mean? So mm. like it was new to a lot of people, especially people my age, because yeah. I heard it, but I didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, having so having that big hit single. Because after your experience with your first album and your uh, um, and then your second album uh, having this massive hit, did you feel a difference in how you were treated by the label and by radio by everything? Was it a massive shift having a big single from an album? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, it it allowed me to. Uh, it gave me more of a voice mm. as. So that for my next album, I got a chance to choose who I wanted to work with. <laughs> I and to it was a it was that time also that I got a chance to hire a team to get my publishing back. Oh. So by the time I did that next album, every mm. song I wrote on there, I had hundred. I had all my publishing for that. Okay. So that record allowed yeah. me to it gave me a voice it because mm -hmm. artists is i mean you have to anarchy they tell everything just about everything is pushed so being a writer helped me put me already put me in a position to you know at least okay i'm writing most of this stuff but they had the yes or no, like, okay, no, we don't want this one. We want that one. And then mm -hmm. they always had that, but for the for the, the third album, I was pretty much given, um, I was an executive pro producer at that time. Wow. So that's what that's what that did, you know, mm -hmm. along with, of course, you know, 
flying everywhere and <laughs> the shows were great because I mean that's bread and butter as well yeah. you know you're 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 at better bigger and better venues mm. um, the song crossed over so you know I'm doing bigger shows bigger tv shows night daytime talk shows and all that stuff so it opened I mean it definitely opened the door um and I was I'm really glad that I got a chance to to experience that you know what I mean to yeah. get to that point because a lot of artists don't yeah no it's nothing like a like a, a hit single on your third album we noticed there was no Steve Hurley on, on, on the album <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh yeah yeah i mean it was at that time he and i kind of decided we decided to part ways um creatively i just wanted to take it more r&b okay and um that was like house I mean, that's that's the part of my DNA, you know what I mean? So it's like, but as an artist, I wanted to, I wanted my next artist, I wanted my next record to be all R&B. Wow. And so, and, and then of course, you know, like my peers and rubbing elbows with producers that wanted to work with me and that I wanted to work with perhaps, um, I just wanted to do something different, basically, mm -hmm. um, and just really delve, get the chance to delve into the R&B and add some of my jazz influences, some of my gospel influences. I just wanted a record that was like really, really showing what I'm about, 100%. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to um sacrifice make allowances mm -hmm. and so our you know i was lucky to be in a position where i could do that and rca helped me for they helped facilitate that you know what i mean yeah. um but he's he had a record or two on there he had a record or two on there that we did that was that was part of our parting okay <laughs> what what was your because about ninety nine, you know, the um, there was we, we were getting a lot more hip hop artists taking R and B beats, and 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 actually the charts became hip hop and R and B as opposed to just R and B. So we noticed there was an influx. What was and the landscape was changing really quickly. How did you think that affected how your album, the third album, performed? And a lot. Um... Here's the thing, it's like, there was so much going on at that time. Like, hip-hop was taking over. Yeah, yeah. Because, the, the, ironically, it's like, let's just be honest, R&B helped usher in a lot of hip-hop at the time, as far as the mainstream. Yeah. For example, because there were, there were, like, hip-hop artists that I would I did hooks for, you know what I mean? Like around that second album time, it was like they were all up and coming. Yeah. But actually, it, with Common, he's from here. So, but I think right um, before 
Oh, that was after I will survive. He and I did reminded me of Seth. Mm. Was that was a pretty decent record for him. That was like just before he totally just blew. Yeah. And it was like that was an example of RB ushering in yeah. hip hop. Yeah. But hip hop just took over. Cause I don't know if you are you are you into hip hop a lot at all? Yeah, I mean, so I, I wasn't when I moved to America. I wasn't very much into the um, East Coast, but I like the West Coast because it was very influenced by R&B. And, okay. and I know Diddy used to use a lot of that. So um, so the, the ones that crossed over, I was very much into that because I'm I, more R&B. Yeah, and it's like um, the record that I was on with Common, um, he had Lauren Hill on there. There was a lot of really dope R&B artists on there. And on I his, think... On, on his album. Was, yeah, on that yeah. album. I think it was instrumental. I think that helped the success of that album. He's a brilliant artist. I love him. In fact, his record, uh, I used to love her. I think that was like the biggest hit for me. Mm. Um, you know, but my point is, I think R&B helped usher in hip-hop. But I don't think that hip hop, when it became the end all be all for the industry, it's everything. I don't think it reached back enough to R&B as, as far as like saying, okay, you did this for me. Let me do this for you. Yeah. That's how, that's how I feel about that. Because now, <laughs> now they're singing their own. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, it's the... Okay. We... <laughs> Or maybe, you know what I'm saying? But I, so anyway, by the time that record came out, hip hop had taken over and there was this big uh, turnover in the industry altogether. Yeah, they were merging. Yeah, the labels were consolidating. Um, I remember RCA did a sweep. They dropped like 80% of their mm. roster. I was the luck. I was lucky enough to stay. Um, you know, had a successful record for that, but there was so much turmoil and all this. And then, um, I don't know if you if you remember when radio. That's when radio was consolidating. Yeah, yeah. Where all the lo the local stations were dying and everything was being consolidated. Yeah. And the playlists were getting smaller. Yeah. So it was like, remember that? That's when the whole, um, the playlist where you hear the same song a million times. Yeah. That's when the, all that stuff was starting. I can't remember the company that started taking over the stations, but yeah, I remember. Like, I, yeah, I remember Cyrus, Cyrus. Um, they were buying up uh, stations. BET got sold to Viacom, so we went watching Video Soul and exactly. and, and, and yeah. So exactly. the yeah. So it's like I really think that that album got caught up in just the whole, the turmoil of it all. And I think it was the transition of hip hop, I mean, of R&B dying off. Not I only say off, but taking a major hit and just everything wanted to be, everything was hip hop. Yeah. Everybody wanted to be so cool and we're hip hop, hip hop this, hip hop that. Yeah. And the playlists were changing. Like, 
the the top of the playlist were now hip hop songs. Yeah. Content was changing with the, you know the violence and this and that. I let me just say I I'm a hip hop head. I love hip hop. Yeah. I love like substance. I mean, I like the club stuff, you know, everything has its place. Yeah. But um it just got kind of at some point I think it, it's just empty. Like mm. to me right now, a lot of it is really empty. And what you're hearing on the radio has it's not doing anything. I think it's detrimental to to the youth in most cases, but it's just not. Um, I don't know. It's just, it just has no feeling. Like I just believe in music evoking emotions, yeah, feeling whether it's happiness, sadness, or whatever. But it's just like dead yeah. to me. You know? Yeah, I'm I'm, yeah. Because I do know that you, you you did share the clip with Tank talking on. Um, on yeah. drinks and stuff and and I and I tied you in because when I interviewed Donnell he said the same thing first he talked about how there was everyone spoke about love in a different way and it was yeah. you know and but now it's like everyone's just selling whatever that that they can and 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 that's what gets pushed by the majors right it's like um that's so resonated with me because actually um, and I watched Drink Champs. I hadn't watched that episode. I saw Nikki Gilbert, who she and I follow each other. She had posted it. Um, okay. And I saw it from her. I was like, girl, I'm posting this too. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like everything he said resonated with so many people because that's just where we are right now. And it's like, it's so deep rooted it's so deep rooted and it's like um I don't know a, a lot of people were saying to me it was like you all have to take it back you all have to take it back and it's it's like we're, we're that's what we're trying to do but um it's like we have to strategically find a way to do that with or without radio you know yeah and it is tough because um when I did a survey on on, on the channel um about 98, 70% of the, of the audience says that they now listen to music on YouTube. Um, not many people listen to it on radio, but just because it's, they, they you know, that the radio stations are playing um, hip hop and trap music and stuff that doesn't resonate to them. So there are a lot of the generation of the 90s, they say, okay, well, at least we go on YouTube. We can listen to stuff. That we can control what we listen to. Um, right. more so and and not not many people do stream um on um spotify and stuff like that just because it's it's not the they're targeting the younger the young the, the young kids who you know they're fast-paced they tick tock whatever goes viral and stuff like that and and that's where the labels are pushing all the money and and energy and um you know when i spoke with cassandra lucas who was in changing faces she uh -huh. said they they moved us to adult contemporary. They took us from the hip hop uh, R and B charts and said, "No, you're now called adult contemporary," and that's when they started to realize that they've just now marginalized R and B to adult contemporary. And I said, "That used to be stuff that I thought my grandparents would listen to, you know." <laughs> yeah, when I first started saying that, I'm like, "What is that?" And what is what is that? 
<laughs> they relabeling, branded everybody, adult contemporary. So it's not almost saying it's for the older folks, not for the right. younger folks. But it, but it's good music now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know what I find is like, because I'm 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 a realist, but I'm an optimist. And what I what makes me happy is knowing that a lot of my fans have a lot of millennials who are searching for good music and it's yeah. like there's a, I have a nice amount of millennials who like know all my stuff and they're mm. like love your music you love your voice and they are searching for that feeling because it's all about feeling yeah you know what I mean when they hear that music when they hear my music or this 90s music and when you hear artists like brownstone and mary and yeah, yeah. Uh, and i and and it's like uh to me uh and you know what i'm saying it's like mm. they feel something yeah and it's like what we had and they like that and they search for that yeah so it it, it says to me that all hope isn't lost you know what I mean? yeah there is an audience um coming up after us that's looking for that i mean so after your third album dropped uh after that didn't go how did what what was the transition for you then because what did you end up trying to um let's see the first single was my oh my yeah you did you did with keith sweat um oh it's come around was the second single that was with keith sweat okay okay and that was cool we got radio play we you know we got we got on the charts and we got radio and video. It didn't do as well as I will survive, but it was so all about hip hop then. Mm. It's like all the money from, from RCA and a lot of majors were just going into hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Not to blame hip hop, but it got to the point where when, and I was, you know, I had I had reached a level of maturity where, okay, I know who I am as an artist. I know who I am. Mm. And even more so now, it's like, so, and there, there was a lot of turnover there. So the people who I was used to <laughs> work with, who knew me, mm. know people that I'm dealing with, they didn't know me. Mm. So when you come to me and say, I want you to make a record like so-and-so could you give me another what's the fourth one one or whatever and it's like what you know what I mean um because one of the beauty one of the beautiful things about the 90s in our time everybody sounded like themselves nobody yes, sounded like anybody else and that was so dope about it because it was like going into this beautiful candy store and you can just get all these different flavors. Yeah. And it just started by the, after that third album, everything was homogenized and yeah. everything started to sound alike. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like me. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't want to sound like that. And it was like, we, the, I parted, I parted ways. I was like, I didn't feel like they were spending enough money on my album budgets because if you're not going the way they want you to go, yeah, you're not the money you want. 
And I wasn't about to sell out like that. Wow. Because I have, it's not the, it's not the biggest audience. It's not a Beyonce audience. <laughs> but I have an audience that when I do a show, they're coming to see the me that they know. Mm. I love giving them. And it's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not doing a record to sound like somebody else. Even if they're like, oh, well, just, just one or two singles could you do in this vein. And it's like, that's so, um, that's the antithesis of, of, of creativity. Like, it's one thing to be influenced, you know, from your history of growing up, hmm. but to head out to write, do a, a song to sound like somebody else. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, but, so, it, but then doing that, you probably would have known that, well, well, if you're not for us, we're going to kick you out. And most people might be afraid to go against the bread and butter and, and the opportunity to go big. It was scary. It was scary. And, and I took hits for it, but I didn't care. Because one thing I know is that I am an, an infinite resource. I could always write and create what I want, when I want it. And now, to me, let's, how, how do you put this? I missed like the big budgets and the, <laughs> I, I would be lying if I said, I missed all that. But what I don't miss is the BS and the fakery, I'll say the fakery mm. um, that they ask of you, like, I'm, that just makes my flesh crawl. Like I will never be some fake version of what, you know what I mean? It's like, they really want, they really do stuff like that. Could you give me another blah, blah, blah? Wow. Oh. Even if it was a song that I wrote, why would I want to do another song just like that? So, I mean, it wasn't worth it to me in the long run. And mm -hmm. I, I really, I'm really glad that I didn't cave because what would, you know, one thing I do have amongst my peers and my fans is respect. Mm -hmm. That's more important to me. Yes, the money is, I want the money and I will, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it will come. It, it will come and it has off and on, but not, not in the same way, mm -hmm. but everything that I put out, I, I'm so proud of. Yeah. And there's not one record that I have done since I left RCA that I'm ashamed of. Not one. Wow. Not one where I'm like, oh God, where I cringe when I hear it. <laughs> so, I mean, now then, now that you've, um, as an independent artist, um, what is the sort of the direction for you? Is it because, and I've access to other um, artists who are no longer majors, that, are you putting out music to generate revenue from that? Or is it a way of getting your, creativity out there but you really want to rely on on your tours and your shows or what's what's the balance it's all of that <laughs> it's all um i have i have uh an ep that i'm releasing in a few months okay um, terry hunter and i are doing that and that's that's 
that's R&B. And I think I got a some house tinge stuff on there, but it's mostly R&B. But at the same time, like I'm in the business also of songwriting. So uh-huh. I'm always writing, like if, you know, that's why some people's like, oh, you're, you're not on the people who say, oh, you're not on social media. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm writing songs. So if I'm not writing for myself, I'm writing for other people. And I have a passion for that as well. But my ultimate passion is being on stage live, mm-hmm. connecting with that audience. To me, now that's the ultimate. Wow. And so, you know, I get to do that, but I get to do that on my own terms. Mm. So, you know, sometimes that doesn't come with the 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 big budgets, but there aren't that many middlemen. So it's yeah. it's it's still kind of sweet, but it's you know, um, but it's more work. I tell mm. you this, but it's it's worth it. It's worth it. And it's like, I'm like a grown woman. It's like, <laughs> I can't, I just can't um, sub- subject myself to answering. Now, it, and it's like, okay, people, some people have said to me like, well, would you turn down a major deal? I won't turn down a deal that's catered to me mm. and we could be equal partners. They know, I mean, but the beauty, the beauty of the industry now as an indep- independent artist, it's a lot more work. It's a lot more self-investment and it can be hard, but you reap so much more in the end. Mm. So. I mean, so you say you've got an EP that we, we can expect that to be, to be released. How have you had to balance being an independent artist and and the self promotion, you know, Instagram. Oh, hard. That's hard. TikTok. Yes, it's hard, and it, and sometimes it can be expensive. But you know, you you count on your your resources, your contacts, and it's like you just do you just put it out there. You know what I mean? But you know, there's still techniques like stuff that. I will say that um, social media and the digital access that we have now really helps facilitate that. Like we didn't have that. Like mm. you don't, in the long run, you can do this without a major label. It's better, you know, and you could look at Chance, it's, he's hip hop, but look at, yeah. look at what he's done, you know, and he's from Chicago too. Look at what he's done without a label. And it's, it's ironic, some of the stuff that they want from you as a label, it's like, um, <laughs> they tell you to blow yourself up, make yourself more popular, make everybody know you, mm. um, social media, blah, blah, blah. And then we'll come to the party. This is all the stuff that they used to have to do. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, well, what exactly are you doing? What I all the work. So... <laughs> It's, it's it's amazing, you know what I mean? So it's like, well, if I'm doing all this, then I'm going to reap the benefits of all this. Yeah, but I you guess it, it depends on what's at your stage that you still want from it. Because um, is it, as, an, as a creator of music, you want people to, because 
in some ways, doesn't matter if you're signed to a label, most people are getting music for free, whether it's on YouTube or Spotify. We're not buying the CD as we used to. So it, it is <laughs> Right. So, and, and, and honestly, <laughs> selling not what it used to be. <laughs> so it's like uh, performing records and merch, stuff like that, you know, that's, that hasn't changed. But those are the uh, those are the avenues for us to make money doing shows and and songwriting and licensing and so forth um you do have to find the avenues but there are avenues out there you know for us to make you just don't have to be beholden to a label so when you so the direction that i'm going in um that's basically it. I'm I'm catering. I'm doing my best to cater specifically to my audience. Okay. And so it's like the music that I put out and the music that I put out in the interim, I put out a lot of stuff in the mm. interim. Um, you know, just um it's to cater to my audience. And it's like when I'm not doing that, I'm writing for other people. Wow. You know yeah so i mean so where should we tell people to look out for you are you doing things locally in chicago are you going across the country i am doing things locally in chicago and like in the interim like i've done um south africa and stuff like that and i've got stuff coming as far as performances but right now i'm into finishing this project okay and june I've got a few things coming out. I got <laughs> my first list. Okay. The first single for my EP will be out in June. And then there's another project that I've done with some pretty popular people that'll be out in about two weeks. Okay. Um, yeah. Some of the, some of this, yeah. That'll be out in about two weeks. It's um fun. It's like me and um Dion Cole and a few other people from Chicago. It's some fun stuff, but um uh, my my EP begins in June. So okay. that'll I'm very excited about that. And and, and this is mainly R and B, not not back in the That's house. Hard. That's okay. RB. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think you know, you know, I, when I interviewed Sybil um you know she she was one of the rare breeds like yourself who you know going from house to some r&b and um and you know and found a lot more success internationally with the with that with 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 those types of 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 records and stuff um and and stuff but no it's been great i mean i always end by asking my my guests that if you were stuck in an elevator and they said we can put it we have to put a movie on for you while we wait to get you out what movie would you request to watch? <laughs> you will not believe this. Jackie Brown. Oh, wow. <laughs> Pam Greer. <laughs> oh, is that the Quentin Tarantino one? Yes. Okay. Okay, I, it is Pam Greer. That movie, I love her. And it was just brilliant to me. It was funny and it was just brilliant. And it was like so throwback, the vibe and music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and 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 they're about to put on the movie, but they say let's put a song for you to, before the movie starts. 
What's what song do you request? What's your all-time favorite song? Oh God! So this is if I'm stuck in an elevator. Well, just I guess your all-time favorite song because I just I wanted I didn't want the song to be like disaster sort of help me. I just want like what's what's your go-to song? Your best song by uh, any artist that you. That's tough. <laughs> oh, one of my okay. I'm gonna say one of my all-time favorite songs, and that's for personal reasons. Anita Baker, sometimes. Wow. <laughs> Do you know that one? I'm sure if I hear it. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, I will. I would listen to it. I'm sure if I hear it, I would know. Could I, I? Yeah, I do have a all album, but it's, uh, it's probably it wasn't one of the major releases. No, that no, wasn't a single. Okay, that's probably sometimes. Yes. Have you seen her recently? Because I know she's in Vegas. No, but I'm thinking about doing that. I love her. I'm thinking oh. about it. You know, she had retired, so. But then she got her master's that, back and that, says. <laughs> I have friends who are, who, have gone, who are going to Vegas to see her. Okay. So I'm thinking before she retires again. Yeah, before <laughs> she retires again. No, she's, she's planning to release some new stuff because we, we do keep it in, in, in touch with her stuff. But Shada, it's been really, it's been really great to to listen to hear to have your story, to hear your background, and I think one of the things that we do here is, you know, we don't focus much with the music. We wanted to focus on the on the person behind the music and just understand your journey and 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 how your experience because it, it does teach us. Because when we started off, we all thought our recording our, our '90s artists were multimillionaires living in the you know had mansions. We didn't realize how challenging things were. And, and 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 things like that and it really gave us a real respect to how much you guys have had to endure uh in in, in a business that um that sets off to rob um and but then these stories have really helped up-and-coming artists to be very mindful of what they're signing and are not rushing into these things so it's been really great to hear your story and your journey absolutely it was fun it was fun talking to you <laughs> like always I'm just always weird talking about myself, but yeah, it, you made it comfortable and fun. So oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm 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 just glad, I'm just glad yeah, it's uh, we didn't take too much of your time and stuff. But <laughs> like all the times when you had to reschedule, and I'm just like, you got it. What? Yeah, takes, yeah. You know, so happy to do. It. I'm yeah, dying. no, definitely, and and, and as I said, I'll 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 be in touch with Jeff just to, so when he, you do release your EP, so we can get a, a sense of when it's out and 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 make sure that everyone gets to listen to to to, to some support and stuff. Definitely, I can't wait for you to hear it. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. I'm very proud of what we've done. So and and it's and it's, as I said, with R&B, and and I guess it's I think for some of us, it'd be interesting to see the direction you're going to take, uh, whether you're going to be do more throwback to what we're more comfortable with or used to, or do you take advantage of what music is like now? Or how do you, how do you balance that out? Um, well, the, the EP is more of, I would say it's more, it's more of what you used to, but it's fresh. I think it's refreshing and it's, it's it's of the time, you know. Topic topically, as far as the topics, you there's so many things that you can't avoid. But I think what it's what it's gonna do is it's just gonna allow people to feel again, 
You know what I mean? It talks about love and life. It's positive, but it's warm. It's a hug. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just soul. And I guess what that's one of the things we don't get enough of. It's soulful as hell. So yeah. <laughs> but it, it it sounds expensive to be able to record songs, you know, your studio time engineering, mastering, and then creating the visuals mm-hmm. and, and and maybe for not as much return in, in, in the actual selling. I mean, so what becomes the incentive to actually go through all of that when you might not recoup? Maybe if you go on tour, but just you well, know. you have to be strategic about where you, what you invest the most in, and if you are, as a consumer, you want to know that the product that you're buying is of the best. Like I like organic, the best quality. Hmm. So it's worth the investment because in the long run. It's like if you know you invested in every everything you put into this or is organic and top shelf. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to do. It's going to speak speak for itself, mm. and I it will. The people who are looking for me, like the people who are shopping for my product, yeah, always rest assured that it's going to be organic. Mm-hmm. So they pay more for that. Yeah, I mean so because. I don't, yeah, because I don't. As I said, I I realized that I there's I don't have like a CD player in my car. Even mm-hmm. my laptop doesn't play CDs anymore. So I, I don't have one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so this would be mainly you know it would be available digitally like Spotify. Oh absolutely. oh, absolutely. Now you have to, you have to adapt. Times mm-hmm. it'll be available everywhere. Apple, Spotify, you name it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, we we have this distribution on it, and that's what it is. I mean, uh, vinyl. I hear vinyl is coming back, but yeah, uh, I mean, no. I, I think the the DJs. I mean, that's why that's why you you have viral songs on TikTok and stuff, or or DJs having a vinyl to play in the clubs and stuff. May get a house remix to one of your R and B tracks or something like that. Right. That's right. um um. Yeah, and and maybe if you did uh, a remake of, um, of 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 the song you wrote for CC and and uh, you know, you know, in fact, remix. I did a last summer. I did a remake actually for Dome Records out there, where in your neck of the woods, mm-hmm. um, um, with uh, the Get Down Saturday Night. I did a remake with uh, Full Flavor. Okay. Um, yeah, that was just one of those projects. I was like, okay, cool. You know, they asked me to do it. I was like, cool. And I had done a remake of uh, September, God, over 10 years ago with them. So they called me. It was like, do you want to do it? We're doing another album. And Cece's on that album as well. It's wow. like a full flavor um, release. And I was like, cool. So that was last summer. And that's getting nice little play over there, especially in Paris. Um, but yeah, so I do that now and then, but, uh, the EP is going to be a full release though. Okay. Full release. We'll do, um, visual. Okay. All that. Yeah. We look forward to that. The, the question people has, have access when you do those 
demos or not demos, but you did the is it references, vocal references? Yeah. Do you, do you keep those CDs? Do you still have those or these uh, tapes or do, are they those? Yeah, because I get, yeah, I do. I keep those just for my, you know, just for my collection. But that was a, that was a digital release. That was uh, streamed everywhere. No, I'm talking about the ones that you did from back in the day, back in Absolutely. the... Oh, yeah, absolutely. But how I come get, we don't release those ones then? What do you mean? Well, just you know, just digitally, just you know, put them on the i i i i, I apple store. You oh, have no, a... those. You mean like my old albums? Not the albums. The 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 reference vocal references for oh, some big for I, those tracks. I could, but I would have to re-record them. You oh. know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you mean literally dropping like the cassette, like the music from the cassette. Yeah, but they they can they can they can they can digitize them, and so they, it captures the essence of where you were at those that at that we time. About, uh, I was we have talked about doing a reissue, but you never find um, because people can't find that people mm -hmm. can't find the record. But I don't know, I don't know. You you're giving me an idea with um, we got a love thing. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I will do some of that. But I will. I want to get this original stuff out, and maybe yeah, no, there's no rush with it. But as I mentioned, Babyface did the stuff he did with the Whispers, and it was very interesting to see take see his take of it. I, I've been talking to Tammy Lucas about she she wrote um, Joy, uh, and did the background vocals, all the things she's done. I'm saying to her, do the same thing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, um, because people know that you you, you co-wrote or wrote and did later re vocal reference. Right, and you have the the, the CDs. It's these are very, these are called vintage. These are these are yeah. rarities. These are things that are that the people will be like really rushing to get before, yeah. yeah. And then when you especially because what tends to happen is an old engineer or producer pushes them on on YouTube, then it it has no. It just becomes every every there for everyone. But once it's coded and, and digitized, then anytime it's played, it's generating revenue. But it just it, it does it just. You know, they are interested in people who will be interested in these rare, rare breed of things that they had never heard before. Yes, the coding. Yeah, I, I, I may do that. I may do that. Yeah, they, they do. I, you know, every now and then I may sing a little bit of something in the show, like something. But I hadn't really, other than some of the other ones, I, I hadn't thought of releasing um, some of the songs I've placed on other artists. But I... You you put a little bug. In. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the entertainment the the movie industry does does it all the time. They mm -hmm. re-release you know the Beatles. Somebody recorded them recording a show, and they right. sold it to, sold it to Disney Plus. You know that so mm -hmm. this you know so that's what they do all the time. They get old footages and 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 make millions of them and. You know, and then in, in in the pop and pop rock, they do the same thing. They get the the old vinyl or old yeah. But with R&B, we don't tend to, you don't tend to see you guys do that. You know, you're always looking to do some the next new thing. It's like well, you still have some. And yeah, that's something. Now that's definitely something though. Uh, we kind of have a little part in, but it's just stuff that you don't know that I've had a hand in that we've licensed for movies or stuff like that, but. But yeah, I, I may start putting my voice to some of that stuff. 
yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, but I'll, I'll follow up with Jeff. I'll tell him once your EP drops to let us know so we can give it to you, know, make sure people are, are, are aware of it and stuff. But it's definitely been a fun a fun interview and stuff. And probably, you know, after things have dropped and, and stuff, we, we you know, in, in, in next year, so we've probably got you back to see how... Yeah, how th- see how it is now. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Please remember to subscribe to the channel, but most importantly, to press the notification bell so that you can be notified when we do have a new interview. Loads to come, but thanks a lot for watching.